Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Life Series, Part 2, by Tattoo Laura on AO3. Rating, General Audiences. Chapter 10, Uncle Muddler. You need to remember to take your vitamins. Scully rolled her eyes. I have been. I told you that last night, and I told you that this morning, and I told you ten minutes ago. Sweeping the damp cloth across the kitchen counter while Mulder stood, eating the last vestiges of crispy, blackened, bacon carcass fall out from the plate. It's fine. I just stood up too quickly and had been doing some fairly vigorous exercise right beforehand. I've been to the doctor, and he said I was fine. Remember that? San Diego, fish tacos, surfing, untenable fear of recurring cancer and eventual death. Damn it, Scully. Don't do that. Don't talk like it was a simple part of life. You're not a simple part of life. Mine, Maggie's, Charlie's, anybody's. Pushing himself away from the counter, palm shoving granite, body tilting, he walked away. Sudden silence, his only weapon, against her flippant ways. Hush swearing followed as she tossed the cloth in the sink and wiped her hands on her jeans. Moving to follow him, knowing he wouldn't ever stop worrying about her and realizing she hadn't told him it was one of the myriad of things she loved about him best. He was leaning on the wall in the hall, staring at the ground, arms crossed, feet crossed, a pillar to spend anger. Moving behind him, arms sliding through his, hands clasping over ribs, she spoke softly into his back. It wasn't simple. You were there. There was nothing simple about it, but if I don't treat it like part of everyday life, it'll crush me and you in the process. Kissing his shifting muscles through faded red Captain Kangaroo shirt, her arms kept him from turning towards her, keeping him large and solid under her mouth as she spoke yet again. I am fine. I will go back to the doctor if it happens twice more. Not once, but twice. You are not allowed to ask how I feel because I will use the standard answer you hate and it will just tick me off. Tightening her arms, she crushed her forehead tightly to him. I read Eminem you more than life itself. And if it ever comes back to cancer, you will be my first, best, and only shelter in the storm. Twisting in her tightened arms, he turned, shirt spiraling, crushing her to his chest, completely ignoring the collection of children and adults pouring in the front door, loudly declaring they had arrived and were ready to party. Uncle Muddler valiantly kept up with them the rest of the day. With their ages ranging from four years to ten, he managed to keep a steady stream of conversation, assistance, and snacks flowing in all directions, only stopping to relax once he and Scully had gotten the rugrats under covers. And stop he did, dropping with a heaving puff onto the couch beside her. They are here how long again? Scully, head rusty on the back of the couch, gave a grin to the ceiling, too tired to aim it at him. Ten days. Your mother was going for sainthood, wasn't she? Possibly. Dragging a hand over, then up her thigh, until her smile got wider. When are we going to bed? Right after we make lunches. I need to start waking up kids at 6.30 tomorrow morning and start dropping them off by 8. 
I don't want to have to spend any of that time slapping bologna on bread. He was honestly too tired to make an off-color comment about slapping bologna, and it frightened him, realizing he must be just that damn tired. Standing back up, he cracked his joints, knuckles, spine, before beckoning her to give him her hand. Move it, move it, move it. Lunch is done in 10, bed in 15. What if it takes longer than that? I will flip you over my shoulder and toss you between the sheets. Caveman response, forewarned. It took longer than 10 minutes, but Mulder declined with the flipping and tossing, choosing instead to draw aliens and rainbows on lunch bags and Sharpie, slapping a big heart and Uncle Muddler on all, because why the hell not? Scully shook her head. I wonder how long they'll take before they enact revenge. I'm betting three days. Digging in her pocket and slapping a bill on the counter. Sucker bet. I give them until tomorrow around six. Mulder's five dollars appeared beside hers. You're on. At 5.55 the next evening, Sam appeared. Tall, pale, quiet Sam. With all his ten-year-old kupspa puffing up his chest. Uncle Muddler. Can you please not put hearts on my lunch bags? The guys made fun of me all day, and so did my English teacher. Uncle Muddler cracked a small frown. Okay, Sam, I won't do it tomorrow. Sam walked away. Uncle Muddler felt a little disappointed. At 5.58, sweet little Betsy paraded in, wearing Scully's shoes and a dish towel on her head. Uncle Muddler, can you maybe not write so big on my lunch bag? People wanted to know if you were blind and always wrote that big. Uncle Muddler kept his deflated feelings of fun to himself. No problem, Betsy. I'll do better tomorrow. Betsy bounced away. Uncle Muddler's disappointment grew. 603. Jake. Uncle Muddler, dude, you can't do that to a guy. Uncle Muddler wondered what the hell had happened to his favorite family's sense of humor. I won't anymore. Promise. 607 rolled around, and in shuffled Toby, four-year-old poster child for preschool exhaustion. Uncle Muddler? Good lord, seriously? Yeah, Toby? Sarah at school said she's going to marry me because I had a heart on my lunch bag. Is that a bad thing? She eats the glitter paste, Uncle Muddler. If I have to kiss her, I'll stick to her forever. Then run away. Toby regarded him with serious brown eyes. She runs faster than me. These kids were going to kill him. Then tell her no and tattle to the teacher that she pinched you. 6-11, and he thought he was free. Then in crept Hannah, the seven-year-old, now on the fast track to breaking his heart. His secret favorite, and his greatest downfall in terms of snuck candy and extra piggyback rides. Uncle Muddler? Cringing inwardly, he kept his demeanor. Yes, Aunt Dana says she wins. He was out of that chair like a shot, seeking and finding Scully, hovering with the other four children, just inside the kitchen door, giggling quietly and grinning madly. Grabbing Scully before she could escape, he accidentally bumped Sam to the floor, who took out Toby in the process. Realizing they were still laughing, he proceeded to haul Scully up and over his shoulder, as promised the night before, and leading the charge, carried her squirming form to the back bedroom dumping her on the bed and informing the kids through a wave of his hand that she was theirs for the attacking. Later on, once a few hours had passed 
and everyone had calmed, somewhat. The kids trooped in as one entity, each hugging Uncle Muddler goodnight while he emptied the dishwasher. Once that was done, Sam spoke up. Uncle Muddler? He loved that moniker to the bottom of his toes. Yeah, Sam? We like the drawings and the hearts and the name. It's nice to see after we've had a rough morning. All that classroom stuff can get to a kid, and aliens are just what we need. He looked over their heads at Scully, who stood in the doorway. Did you pay them five more bucks to say that? Holding up her hand, swear on the grave of Eugene Toombs, I had nothing to do with this part. Mulder believed her. Once everyone was tucked away, snoring, rolling or simply cuddling their stuffed friends, Scully crawled in beside Mulder. 10 p.m., a godsend in every respect. Did you ride all over their lunch bags again? Even bigger than before. This time it was unicorns and flying saucers. She snuggled in beside him, one ear on children, one ear on his heart. At least you have a theme. Things you don't believe in. Things that kids love. Kissing the top of her head. Wednesday will be dinosaurs and fairies. Enjoy it while it lasts. Summer vacation starts Friday. Almost asleep, he felt her shift, sink lower in the mattress, then mumble something. Picking his head up enough to hear her. What? Tomorrow we have to wedge ourselves on the lumpy sofa bed. He was slightly surprised at this. He figured he'd be leaving once Maggie came home, at least for the sleepover portion. I get to stay here, even with your mom back? God love her smile. He could feel it against his ribs. Only if you want to. Hell yes, I want to. I'd be pathetically lonely back at my place. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd probably end up tripping on imaginary toys and talking to myself. Lumpy sofa bed it is. Lumpy sofa bed it is. Chapter 11. Normal. By Tuesday afternoon, they had a full house. Five kids, two FBI agents, an injured Maggie, and as Mulder included in his head, quite possibly a partridge in a pear tree. The kids knew how to steer clear of Grandma, Aunt Maggie, but sometimes kids just have to see their Grandma, Aunt Maggie, and they hovered on the stairs, one on each step, peering through the banister railings, quietly waiting until she was settled on the couch, feet up, pillows under her arm before... Grandma? Oh, she had missed their voices, surrounded by nurse, matter-of-factness, and doctor ramblings for four unbearable days. Weaving her arm in their direction, they took that as their go sign and scrambled, politely remembering not to crash into her, but definitely skidding to stops very close to injured parts. The cacophony of stories made Mulder's ears ring. Five kids with five lives that needed to be relayed immediately to their favorite person. He watched Scully smiling a concerned grin, worried someone would jostle her mother right back to the hospital. But again, to the kids' credits, they were on best behavior. Finally calming after a few minutes so Maggie could speak. And tell me, when is your last day of school again? Sam piped up. Thursday. It was supposed to be a half day, but since we had so many snow days, they made it full. Mulder realized he'd better make some damn good lunch bag drawings because he'd only be doing them two more days. He felt three-headed monsters and tribbles with sunglasses were in order for Wednesday. It took until 11 to get everyone settled in and quiet. Maggie, under the influence of painkillers, 
and the kids under the influence of an hour of flashlight tag in the park down the street. Mulder met Scully as he left the kitchen, ready to collapse. He could see the weariness in her eyes, purple shadow below darkening blue above, the surrounding skin pale. As she nodded, he held out his hand. Come on, lumpy bed awaits. Lunch is done? Yep. Maggie drugged? Yep. Switching off lights as they walked, and the monitors plugged in? Yeah, she can wake me up if she needs me, but I'll set the alarm for a few hours and go check on her. It took a few minutes to get in bed, but once there, Scully melted into the mattress, face buried in the pillow. It might be lumpy, but I adore this bed right now. Laughing into her shoulder, go to sleep. I'll listen for your mom and go find out what she needs. If it's the bathroom, I'll wake you up. Otherwise, I'll deal with it. But you have to go back to work tomorrow. You'll be exhausted. Kissing first her nose and then hugging her toes with his. I'll be fine. Trust me. She snored her answer back. It was truly strange for him. Helping Maggie once with painkillers, crawled back in beside a warm body, woke up to small Toby eyes and a request for breakfast, dropped kids at various schools, went to work, thought about Scully, kids, Maggie, dinner, grocery shopping, what to do that evening, what stories he would tell the littles before bed, how nice it would be to settle in beside Scully again that night, then left work promptly at five, drove home with a smile, entered the loud, boisterous house with a wider grin and stopped dead when he saw Scully standing in the kitchen sink. His chest squeezed so tight, his throat constricting, blocking life-giving air from traveling to heart and brain. He was a hair's breadth away from having the perfect wish for sought-after life and suddenly realizing this might very well be as close as he ever got. His heart skipped, then skipped again. The third thudding had him grappling the stair railing for a moment, the tunneling stars in his vision signaling either passing out or heart attack. He preferred passing out as he called Scully's name, her arriving at his side just as his body corrected itself, normalized beats pounding the blood in his ears. Mulder, are you okay? What happened? He really should tell her the truth, but instead, slam my finger in the door, but it's better now. Flexing his hand for a good measure. Still moving, but for a minute, thought I was going to die. Hannah came down just then, appearing beside him on the steps, keeping Scully from calling his bullshit out for the world to see, and knowing a golden opportunity when it came to him. He turned to the little girl. Hungry? After the smaller human nodded, Mulder took her hand, leading her to the kitchen and circumventing any sort of questioning from his partner. A win-win situation in his opinion. The rest of the evening passed uneventfully, everyone eating hot dogs in Maggie's room, dinner plates on laps, drinks clear and non-staining, hot dogs and mashed potatoes hitting the spot, before proceeding to Monopoly and Checker and Hi-Ho Cherio themselves into Bolivian, when loud thunderstorms kept them inside instead of out. Mulder kept his eyes on the game, avoiding the penetrating gaze of one Dana Catherine Scully at all costs. Mulder, I'm asleep, Scully. Don't wake me up. Mulder, can't you hear my loud and raucous dreams about loud and raucous sex with you? Rolling him towards her, she looked down at his face, head cocked sideways. What happened? Bang the shit out of my hand. I told you. Then how come you haven't looked me in the eye all night long? 
she'd be the definite death of his lying abilities in the very near future, if not right this very minute. Scrunching his eyes shut, then keeping them at squinched half mass. Why the hell can't I lie to you anymore? You could never lie to me. I just normally chose not to fight you on your crap. But now, given we're sleeping in the same bed nightly, you've seen me stark naked, and I've got a few minutes to spare. I'm going to ask what happened. I feel like an idiot, but, um, I just... All day, hand going to rub across his temple, then arm curling around the top of his head. I woke up with you, and dropped kids off, and thought about dinner, and games, and you, and I left work at five. Then, when I came in the door, you were standing at the kitchen sink, and complete 50s sexism reared its ugly moniker, but, just for a second, and this is what really scared the hell out of me, is that they could be our kids, and I came home to our house, and you made dinner, and we were all going to sit down and be that unnervingly perfect family that I never even experienced even a day of, and my heart started pounding, and I thought there was a really good chance I was dying. She adored his rushing, run-on sentences when they weren't filled with government angst and clenched fists and conspiratorial rage. You realize our family would be very far from perfect, correct? Even if you do pass genetic muster, they'd be loud and clumsy and have rather predominant feet, which they'd trip over and break things, themselves included, and there'd be a tendency to cheat at cards and belch like my brother at inopportune times, and their teeth would be horribly crooked because, let me tell you, there was a reason I never smiled with my mouth open as a child. Yeah, perfect, like I said. She'd finally come to terms with her barrenness, but in the realm he was speaking— she could feel her lightness, her firm, walled-off soul, bending under the weight of reality, burying herself suddenly in his shoulder. Let's just enjoy the week, all right? That was the last thing he expected. Then, his brain kicked in, thinking of her instead of himself. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Bringing down his arms, he hugged her head to his chest. I'm sorry. I should learn to lie better. With a nearly sad chuckle into his neck. I'm okay. I've accepted life as it is, but I'd rather lie here and discuss just where the hell we're going to keep the mattress when we buy it, because this sofa bed is leaving something to be desired for my back. Because he was completely cheesy and pathetically in love sometimes, he whispered, his hands in the vicinity of her inner thigh, I constantly desire you on your back, and front, and on top, and underneath. She knew it was coming. She expected it to sound just as cliche as anything ever said in the universe, but instead, it was soft and warm, underlining tones of utter adoration and acceptance of her, just as she was. If only her mother wasn't in the next room, and there weren't five kids upstairs, and the bed didn't squeak. I'd give you an entire bag of red M&Ms if I could. Squeezing her tight, right back at you, G-Woman. Chapter 12, Backseat School ended with loud exclamations and ice cream, Mulder missing the fun because, as he put it, he had to be at stupid work. He was rewarded, however, for his diligent adultness, with an extra-large concoction of ice cream and toppings that would have sent anyone with a diabetic in their family tree into a coma deep enough to put the nap of Rip Van Winkle to shame. He savored on the back porch, children playing on the lawn, Maggie sitting quietly in a chair in the shade, and Scully debating a nap in the hammock. Hey, Scully. 
deciding to answer, even though she was hovering on the sharp edge of sleep. Yes. Tomorrow's Friday. Then we have the weekend. What should we do with the posse out there? The simple idea that he wanted to spend his weekend, his free, I could be playing basketball or playing poker or video games with the guys or sitting quietly in my apartment, not surrounded by small humans with inquiring questions, weekend, with said small humans, made her stomach warm, her smile wide, her eyes twinkle. I don't know. What were you thinking? Zoo, beach, movie marathon, baseball game, although not quite sure on that one, given how our last one turned out. Scully opened her mouth to agree, but he shushed her with a finger to his lips. But lightning rarely strikes twice. Removing his finger, he wiggled his eyebrows at her. I like the idea of loading everyone up and going to North Carolina, but that's probably too far to drive for Maggie. We could find a pool and lounge for the day, although the ocean probably has a boardwalk and hot dogs and funnel cakes, so that's a tough one. Finally, she stopped him. Knowing, instinctively, and through years of knowledge, that he would keep going until a trip to the moon sounded completely plausible, and she'd be debating how many socks would keep the kids' feet warm. Hold it there, partner. How about we eliminate the impossible, like North Carolina and the moon? I never mentioned the moon. You were on your way there, believe me, still smiling. Zoo would be fun. I haven't been there in years. If mom's up for it, she'd do all right in a wheelchair. We just have issues with the bathrooms. Dana, honey, Maggie piped up from her inconspicuous spot a few feet away. I'd do better staying here, I think. Ellie offered to come stay with me any time, so you won't have to worry. She could see the famous and infamous Scully head tilt, revving up for argument. No ifs, ands, or buts. I'll be staying home. You'll be going to the zoo. End of story. Mulder laughed, chocolate ice cream ringing his mouth, stray spot also sticky on his chin. Defeated. Next contestant, please. Scully batted him, open palm to his arm, before sticking her tongue out, smiling all the while, then calling out to the crowd. How does the zoo sound for Saturday? Spontaneous yelling and agreement occurred, and Mulder settled back in his chair. This is my happy place. After everyone had gone to bed that night, Mulder moved to pull the covers back on the sofa when he felt a cool hand slip under his shirt, around his waist, a soft cheek against his spine, hips pressed to the back of his thighs. I think you should come with me. Smiling at their reflection in the uncurtained front window, he twisted until he could face her. Where are we going? Someplace kids and mothers can't hear us. Already willing to follow her anywhere, he warmed at the prospect of being able to kiss her without wondering if small beings would be interrupting with water requests and dreams of lightning boys. And where might that be? With a conspiratorial whisper that made his insides shiver. The back seat of your car. Well, that worked. Without further conversation, they were soon in the darkness of the jeep, steaming up windows and roaming under clothes freely. Scully half-naked before remembering, she was in a car on the street and the view of her mother's, as well as most of the lady's house. Pulling back from his mouth, her head running along the ceiling of the car in the process, hair pushed askew. Wait, wait. Mulder immediately pressed his lips to that delicious spot of heaven between her breasts, humming his way to a question of what. She really didn't want him to stop either, but she took his head by the ears and moved him away, carefully, sorely missing him immediately. We can't have sex in the car. 
We sure as hell can have sex in the car. Eyes dropping down to first chest level, then honing in where her legs straddled his. It's maybe two layers of cotton away, and we'll take five minutes, tops. Laughing, she squeezed his thighs with hers. Five minutes, huh? I can get down to three if necessary. She met his mouth to keep him from lowering expectations any further, and, after a fast sweep of the surrounding night, she obliged, pulling some cat-like ninja gymnast moves to free herself of pajama pants and subsequent underwear. Before Mulder could marvel beyond, oh God, she had his pants at his knees as well, quietly wiggling, then shifting, first to reposition skin on skin, then to slide down on him as best she could, given the cramped space and unnatural head tilt she had to assume to accommodate the inches she needed to make all this work. Oh, and work it did. Neither had to wait long. The three men's being a surprisingly accurate determination of time and talent in their present situation. It didn't help that since Scully's head was already twisted and resting beside his, she began licking behind his ear, tongue warm, wet, and wondrous on sensitive flesh, an unknown, let's-get-this-party-started spot. She wouldn't be forgetting that spot anytime soon. As she settled heavily on him, her thighs burning, her hair sticking to her forehead, cheeks and his neck, she gave a surprised giggle as she began twitching around him, aftershocks amusing them both. His chuckle spent and relaxed. Holy hell, we need to do that more often. Summoning some kind of sultry voice, dripping with lust and sex, she whispered at him, If I don't get off you now, my legs are going to explode. When he laughed, he tensed, and all Scully could do was wince, parts of him pushing unexpectedly on parts that really didn't want to be shifted at the moment. Involuntarily, she pulled up and away from him. No laughing, no laughing. He laughed one more time on complete accident, apologizing as he did so, and gripping her waist, vainly attempting to lift her up, help her out, knock her skull into the metal roof of the car. This was getting serious, and he stopped helping. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do what you need to. I'll sit still. By now, rubbing her head and grinning pathetically at him. We really should have just gotten the back. Glad she didn't seem too pained, he smiled. Next time. With several last kisses, she slowly shifted off him, only to have the baby monitor cackle and the coughing voice of her mother fill the car. She shifted faster, 15 again, and making out with the neighbor behind the garage, digging her knee into Mulder's muscle. He yelped, but he held still, biting his lip as she fumbled, flopped, and fought her way back into her clothes, nearly elbowing his eye and definitely elbowing his neck. He finally had to stop her flailing appendages with his hands. Slow down, partner, or we're both going to need a trip to the hospital. With one final tuck of her flannel, she dropped beside him, hand on the door handle, just as Maggie coughed harder. She's going to ask for water in approximately 18 seconds, and I do not want my mother's voice invading where we just had sex. Coughing I can handle, voice I cannot. About to question the sanity of that, Scully shook her head, opening the door. Psychology that all you want. Quickly kissing his lips, quick and warm, but I've got to go. She shut the door behind her, leaving Mulder, pantless, amused, and wondering when the hell they'd get to do that again. Basking for a moment or three, he entered the real world again and lifted his butt, pulling his pajamas back up and chuckling as he quietly exited his now-christened vehicle, patting the dark blue doorframe proudly. 
You done good. The vehicle did not respond. Scully did her best to smooth her clothes and finger comb her hair, but in the end, she arrived at the door of her mother's makeshift bedroom, surrounded by the air of, I just got laid in the back seat of the car, and I initiated it, and I'm not sorry in the slightest. Maggie, not an idiot, read her face in a heartbeat, having the good sense to be embarrassed, yet amused at the same time. Scully saw her mom seeing her and gave up, shrugging with a smirk. Need anything? Clearing her throat one last time. No, thank you. Just a little tickle. Would you like some more water? No, no thank you. You can go back to whatever you were doing, outside. A blushing heat spread across her face, and she regarded her mother critically. Do you always know everything that's going on? Yes, dear. Now go to bed, and say goodnight to Fox for me. With a shake of her head, she turned to leave. Good night, Mom. Good night, Dana. Mulder, heading towards the kitchen bathroom, stopped when he saw her coming from Maggie's room, whispering towards her. How'd that go? My mother has the ears of a bat, the eyes of a hawk, the criminal mind of Bud Abbott, and the ability to make me feel 15 again. So it went well. By his side, she pushed him lightly towards the bathroom, following with a smile. Just get in there so we can clean up. The wee made him grin. You're going to pee in front of me. That ought to be weird. She misjudged and ran them both into the doorframe. Oh my God, Mulder, just get in the bathroom. I have a shy bladder. You peed for 72 seconds when I held you up in Mexico. You do not have a shy bladder. Turns out she did, though, and she had to shoo him out before she could go. Sitting there impatiently, head in hands, while he quickly cleaned up, then dropped a kiss to her crown of her head. I'll be in bed when you finally get your life in order. Shut up, Sparky. Mulder had just enough time to extract hand from breast before the first wee one came down the stairs, bright-eyed and ready for breakfast. And Friday began. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.